Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Yes. All right, let's stand up for worship this morning.
the Connect card on our website after worship, or you can scan that QR code that you see on the screen. It will take you directly to the card. That just enables us to get to know you better, to encourage you, pray for you, support you, even answer your questions, and we would love to be able to do that. We also want you to know that at First Pres, we are about building real relationships, real relationships with each other and with God, and we believe that when that happens, transformation can take place, real transformation. We want you to be a part of that. I know I need that for sure. I want to invite you now to pray with me as we just thank God and lift up the things on our hearts together this morning. Heavenly Father, our hearts are so full of gratitude for what you have done. We're here because of you. Lord, we cannot thank you enough for Jeff Mount and the gift of this place. And we recognize this place as holy ground because all places on this earth are holy because you created them. And we ask that you would pour down your blessings on Wrights Gourmet, Jeff Mount, and his team because they are seeking to honor you by loving us. Thank you, Lord. We also thank you, Lord, for the celebration last night that we had in the marriage of Brittany Truitt and Jay Hollis. We ask that you bless them as they begin their life together, Jesus. We pray also for Bob Ammon, who is in the hospital from a bicycle injury, Lord, and an injury to his spine, and we ask that you would heal him because you are the great physician. We pray the same healing over Loris Garcia, who is continuing to heal from back surgery, and for Keely Lynn's parents, Father, both of whom are struggling with COVID, and then her older sister's husband's aunt, who was shot and murdered last night. Oh, God, this family needs your loving arms wrapped tightly around them. Oh, Father, we also pause to think about Jackie Faircloth, whose ribbons we have tied here to remind us never to stop praying for her. We ask that you would whisper your love and goodness into her heart this morning, that in this very hour, Lord, we're asking that she would sense your nearness, your love, your encouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Since worship is God's party, this is the perfect moment to just jump up and meet the folks around you. And for those of you online, greet each other in the chat line. Have at it.
Nice. I was actually going to give you a text and, and yeah. ask you, like, hey, so it's all good. Okay. Well, then, are we, am I good to put you on the schedule coming up sometime soon, you think? Yeah, I, I do five to five. I'm super glad y'all are enjoying each other. I love this stuff. I do. Y'all, we wanted to make sure you felt right at home every time you're here. So we don't want you worrying about where the bathrooms are. You may not know, but they're back that way. If you head that way, you'll find them. If you want to pop up and get another bagel or coffee or water, come right up. I'd suggest maybe you loop around. I, it might work better than just one of those. But hey, we'll roll with it if you do. And um, we just want you to feel at home. We want your children to, to enjoy Top Chef Jesus with Rachel in the back. So if you didn't bring your kids today, bring them next time. They're going to want to be a part of that, I assure you. I also get to invite all the women in the room and online to a very unique women's dinner event on Thursday night, October 7th, at Palmasia Golf and Country Club. We're calling the event REAL, and REAL stands for Relationships, Encouragement, Authenticity, and Laughter. Aren't those things that we all need so much? Allie Worthington, who is a nationally known speaker and author, is going to be our speaker that night. And that woman is all about being real, all about being authentic and super fun. So all you have to do is register online. And we need you to do that right away because we're ordering little surprisey things for you. And this is women of all ages, all ages, and it's going to be a blast. I couldn't make it more convenient. The parking, Palmasia Golf and Country Club, it's like a mile away. Not even, okay? And then next, if you're in your 20s or 30s, we want to invite you to our monthly mixer. We call it Taco Tuesdays. And it's this coming Tuesday night at the home of Garrett Gilkey at 6.30 p.m. And yes, we have tacos, hence Taco Tuesdays. And uh, this is just an awesome opportunity. About 40 to 50 young adults come each time just to build real community with each other and go deeper in Jesus in a super fun and relaxed atmosphere. We want you there. You do not want to miss it. Good morning. This is so fun. I'm having so much fun being in this place with you. Uh, my name is Bryce Lynn. I'm our director of student ministries. And like the church at large, student ministries is a ministry on the move as well. Because there's no larger place for us, we're also on the move. And I get to invite anybody in 6th through 12th grade, and I mean, if you wanted to come, anybody else, I guess, to the Culture Club of South Tampa. It's 4210 West El Prado from 630 to 740 every Sunday night that we're here and probably beyond. We're going to meet there. This place is incredible. It is designed just for us. We have great indoor and outdoor space to play and to learn and to get to know each other and build those relationships that are so important to us here. So we are meeting there tonight, 630, 4210 West El Prado. Anybody in middle school or high school, we'd love 
to have you. So please come on and join us. We're really, really excited that we get this opportunity. It's pretty unique that we have this incredible space, and we just want to use it really, really well. We have been gifted so much lately. We have an incredible team that is working on a building. We have this extraordinary venue. I've, been, I've got the opportunity to have us meet where we are, all because God is providing. He is finding a way to make things happen that don't look like they should. And so we get to partner with God when he does the unusual and the unexpected. And we get to do that in five different ways. And you'll see them up on the screen as we talk about and we look at how we can be generous and we can participate with God and how he is moving in and through our church and in our city. So in the Bible, ooh, mysterious. <laughs> in the Bible, okay, I got this. It's hard to hear my own voice echo. So, uh, in the Bible, the Israelites, they were a people of about three million people that were enslaved by the nation of Egypt. But God chose them as his people or he chose them as their people. And he promised to bring them a leader and he promised to give them a land that was their own, to give them a hope in the future. And of course, God followed through with that promise. With us as a church, we haven't entered our promised land, but we have been fasting praying as a church and God has been leading us forward and we know that our promised land is coming with this morning's new song that we're introducing to you I hope that you can find encouragement and be reminded that God will take us out of our own personal Egypt whatever that may be a hurt unforgiveness workaholism, whatever it may be, he can overcome that. He has overcome that and he will save you and he has something great and greater planned for you. So let's stand up and sing together now. I won't forget the wonder of how you brought Exodus of my heart You found me, you freed me Held back the waters for my release Oh Yahweh You're the God who fights for me Lord of every victory Hallelujah Hallelujah torn apart the sea you have led me through the deep hallelujah hallelujah a cloud by day is the sign that you are with me the fire by night 
is the guiding light to my feet. You found me, you freed me, held back the waters for my release. Oh, Yahweh, cause you're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah, you have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah. Cause you stepped into my Egypt And you took me by the hand And you marched me out in freedom Into the promised land and I will not forget you, God, I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up forever by the fury of your love. Cause you stepped into my Egypt and you took me by the hand. And you marched me out in freedom into the promised land. And I will not forget you, God, I'll sing of all you've done. Now this world up forever by the fury of your love. Cause you're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah, hallelujah. Cause you're the God, you're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the you have led me through the deep, hallelujah, hallelujah. Cause you stepped into my Egypt, and you took me by the hand, and you marched me out in freedom, into the promised land, and I will not forget you. God, I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up forever by the fury of your love. Cause you stepped into my Egypt, stepped into my Egypt. And you took me by the hand. And you marched me out in freedom into the promised land. And I will not forget you. God, I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up forever by the fury of your love. Cause you're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah. 
on fire so yeah of course we all know that brady's the goat right tb12 tampa bay 12 tom brady it's not in my custom to wear somebody else's shirt like this but i have to make a point this morning he's the goat there is no debate about it the greatest quarterback in the history of nfl if you just measure the number of times he's played in the offseason his rings he has seven of them takes both hands the next best has four two guys have four one guy has three and eight have two he's the goat Period. The greatest of all time. So we could stop and say and have a little friendly debate, who's the greatest college football coach of all time? <laughs> and so I heard, I heard one of the, these guys that wear that color, whatever it is that they wear in Alabama, it's over here. But so Saban, of course, is probably at the top of the list. But, you know, Bobby would be in the conversation. Yeah, he would be. And so would Paterno, even though Paterno got in trouble, and so would Bear. I mean, maybe those would be the four. And then if you go way back, you got other older coaches. In college, women's basketball, who's the GOAT? Do you know who that is? Maybe Pat Summit from Tennessee. Maybe the Gino, who's at UConn right now. Maybe, uh, I think a third, and the top three would be the woman who's the head coach at Stanford. That, that would maybe four or five. I'm just saying. Now, undisputed. <laughs> Undisputed men's goat, college basketball, no question about it, John Wooden. He, play, he coached 27 seasons. He won 10 national championships. All of that is to say, my friends, is today we're going to talk about the goat of the goats, and that it is not a coach. It's Jesus. If there's ever a person you wanted to get to know, it is the greatest of all time of the greatest of all times. And we're going to look at Jesus and who he is and what he's about for three Sundays beginning today. And we're having a tailgate party because a part of what we need to know is that Jesus is, has light and playfulness to him. It's not all heavy. It's not all serious. He is the goat. Make no mistake about it. So this morning, I'm going to help you to understand something about Jesus' nature and also something about Jesus' character. And as, as this happens, this is what I want for all of us. 
I want us all to want to know him more than any other person in the universe that you thought you might have wanted to know. This is the person we all want to know. We want to be close to him. We want to live with him because he literally is the greatest of all time. Now, I didn't used to always think that. I decided when I was eight, I decided when I was 18 years old to become something happened to my sound. I decided when I was 18 years old, I was invited to begin a personal relationship with Jesus, and that meant I was now his loyal subject. I just graduated from high school, and in this fantastic thing, young life, they said, this, this Jesus, and I began to see that he wasn't what I originally thought. I originally thought, I didn't have anything against him, but I thought Jesus was kind of soft. I thought he was boring. I thought Jesus sort of sat around with children and little animals, lambs. I, I mean, you're, you're laughing, but I mean, that's what I thought. I mean, I didn't, uh, and you know what else I thought? I thought there was all of that, but there's also this thing like he was sort of perfect. And I, I was a mess. I had no business being anywhere near him. And so that is really how I thought of Jesus. And it wasn't because I sat down and said, well, what do I think of Jesus? It was just looking and seeing what was going on inside myself about him. And oh, was I wrong. Oh, are we wrong if that's who we think he is because there's this, his nature and his character are so powerful and winsome and loving and strong and way beyond anything we could ever imagine. That's who Jesus is. And I don't want to be wrong anymore. He's relational. He's compassionate. He's strong. He's playful. And he's so human and so full of hope, and so not religious. What I mean by that, by the way, is when I say religious, obviously I mean it in a pejorative sense. What I mean when, when religion in the bad sense is stuff on the outside that isn't matched with what's going on in the inside. And there was nothing about Jesus that wasn't transparently true. So he didn't pretend. There's no putting on of any kind of show or airs. What you saw is who he was. And that's what he does to us. He turns us into people who are the same on the inside, same on the outside that we are on the inside. And that's who I want to be. That's who I want you. And you know, there's only one way for you to get there. There's only one way for me to get there. And that's to attach ourselves to the most attractive person ever to live. I want you and I want me to want to know him more than anybody else in the world. So. A little bit about his nature and a little bit about his character. The text I want to read to you, which is not coming up on the wall here, the text I want to tell you about his nature, and I'm going to ask you to put your thinking cap on because we're going to kick around some pretty good ideas here in just a second. What, what, who is the, what is this nature thing? Jesus is the God-man. That's who he is. So let me just read the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Verses 1, 2, 3, and 14. Listen carefully. I'm going to go slowly, and then I'm going to say a couple of things about it. In the beginning was the word. In Greek, ha logos, ha the logos word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Now listen to this next sentence. He was with God in the beginning, and then verse 3. Through him, that is the word, through him, 
all things were made. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Ooh, there's a lot going on there. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, was pre-existent. You can write that down. Pre-existent and co-creator. I'm asking you to think about the nature of this person who is the most attractive person ever in the world that you would want to know, the goat of goats, pre-existent and co-creator. Now, I realize that's a lot, but I, you, you'll go deep with Jesus when you just let that soak on you. And you're never fully, and I'm never fully going to understand it, but this is what the book is trying to help us understand. Why is he the goat? Because he's the second person in the tree. Now, here's the kicker. You watch this, verse 14. The word, ha-logos, the one who is preexistent and co-creator. Guess what John chapter 14a says? The word became a human being and lived with us, dwelt among us. We want to understand what Jesus' nature is, the God-man, fully human, fully divine. That's what I'm holding my iPad up. It's right here. I have, I have all these texts on it. It's my Bible. You may have a hard copy Bible with you. If you do, open up. If you have your phone, open up and look. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became a human being and lived among us. That's his nature. The transforming presence and power of Jesus means the God of the universe has taken up residence in our world and in our lives, and that's who I want to know, and that's who I want you to know. I want you to want to know him bad. So here's another way of saying it. We have this idea that net, what's natural, we can measure it, we can see it, smell it, taste it, etc. That's what's natural is what is the most reality. But what we're saying here is Jesus in the God-man, there's the God dimension of reality that shows up because he is both God and man at the same time. Let me, let me say it yet another way. Guess what Jesus is? Not subject to time and space. Cook that one for a while. Jesus created time and space. Is that fantastic? I want, you to just, I want you to make a promise to yourself that you'll start to meditate on what it means that, that this person is fully human and fully divine. And we, have, we have the God dimension taking up existence in the earth dimension, time and space. And, and that's what's going on with this person. That's why he's the goat of goats, the greatest of all time. And that's why he's so attractive. And that's why you want to know him. He was not and is not limited by stuff. And so you want to be close to him. So that's, that's about Jesus in the sense of his nature. And we can never quit thinking about it, but it's, a, it's, it's good for you to remember. And it's good for me to remember that this person who we want to know, this person is by his very nature way beyond anything we could ever imagine. Now I want to read in chapter 2 a far less philosophical text. This one's easier to follow than that heavy stuff. This is chapter 2 of John's Gospel, and my text just went away on me. Excuse me. 
There it is. No. I can't believe this happened. Pardon me. I just had it up here and I did something wrong and tapped. There it is. You ready? This is, we're going to, I want you to listen carefully in thinking about Jesus' nature, but I also want you to think about his character. So we're going to go to that. And I've suggested you a few things. Playful, lighthearted, compassionate. See what happens here. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, uh-oh, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus says to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? <laughs> That's good. I like it. We're laughing here. Sounds like a teenager, doesn't he? <laughs> Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, look carefully, friends. Do whatever he tells you. There's some faith there already. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said, they filled them up to the brim. And Jesus got invited. He knew how to have fun. Jesus was playful. He was light. And of course, he's deep. But he gets invited to the wedding. Just think about it. Would you invite him to yours? You might think he'd say, no, y'all can't do that. Y'all can't have fun. But yeah, he was there. And he didn't just show up and say, oh, I'll let everybody see him, and then cruise. He stays all night and dances doing that little, that real thing where you go like that, you know, you know, one, 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 two, two, two. YMCA. He's on the dance floor, Jesus says. They run out of wine. He says, oh, I got it. First one, just want you to think. The Jesus I want us to want to know would love to be a part of all the celebration in life. And he's not knocking people down. He's lifting people up. Verse 3 and 4. When the, wine, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And you laughed when I read it the first time. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? And everybody laughed. Well, it's a, it sounds a little rude. Maybe there's just a bit of an edge to him here. And let me tell you why. He's no longer taking direction from his mother. Angie's laughing, but this is, now listen to the heavy part that's coming next. Who's he taking directions from? His father, the almighty God of the universe. Now, there was a time when all boys, including Jesus, would have, his, he would have done what he was told to do. No moss, only the father. Because he says, my hour has not yet come. And what does he mean by that? You're guessing it. The hour when he lets everybody see the fullness of the dimension of who he is, it's the hour of his death. It's really clear if you read the Gospel of John, that's what we're reading, that Jesus keeps referring to my hour, and he's talking about his death and, of course, the resurrection. So 
with the word woman, you're thinking, this sounds kind of rude. It wasn't rude, but it was a little abrupt and almost like a rebuke. And what he's saying to her is, I listened to him, and it ain't time yet. And then look what he does. He goes and fixes the problem anyway. You see? So somehow Jesus' compassion, his playfulness, his wanting to have a great party, that kicks in. So look at what the woman says. His mother says to the servants, verse 5, do whatever he tells you. There's faith there. There, there are legends that Jesus took clay pots and turned them into pigeons and stuff when he was 12 years old and nuke stuff and whatever. None of that shows up in any way that's historically reliable. This, reliable. So he, the woman listens to him. She, he speaks to her in the way he does, but she says to the people who can do something about it, just whatever he says, do it. There's faith there. We want to model her. It's not like a quantity of faith that you and I are supposed to have. It's just a little bit of trust. And your trust will grow, and my trust will grow. But Jesus is simply saying to, I mean, Mary is simply saying, just listen to him. Verse 6 and 7. Now, there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. So what this is about is ceremonial purity in a part of the culture. So when you went to an event, it was to wash, not that people weren't clean to go to a wedding party, but it was a ceremonial thing, and it was required. It was a part of the way that Jewish folks would do stuff. And Jesus takes these pots, as you know. He says to the servants, verse 7, fill the jars with water, and they fill them up to the brim. Verse 8, take, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants had drawn the water the new, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. So in the culture, it's the same way in Africa, Kathy's colleagues, the, the groom pays for everything. Everything. And it's a shame-based culture. So if you run out, it's a disgrace. But the couple might even feel like this is putting a mojo on their marriage relationship, like bad luck. So, and it really is not a good thing to run out of anything. So men would get married when, A, they could, they could provide an independent home and not have to live with their parents, and B, they had enough loot to throw together this big party that goes on and on and on. And it's true right now today in Africa. I sat with Africans at a table and talked about it for an hour, and we helped provide one of Kathy's colleagues with, I don't know what we bought. He had to buy his wife's wedding dress. I think we had to get him a keg of beer, didn't we, Kathy? <laughs> and a goat. And a goat. So uh, that's, that's in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, right now. And so in this culture, the groom provided everything. And so in here, we're calling the groom a bridegroom. So notice what the MC says. This is a person sort of running everything for the groom who's throwing the party. Verse 10, everyone said to him, I mean, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. You've kept the good wine until now. So a real thing has happened, but listen carefully. What's coming for you and for me? That's what this is about. It, this happened, and it's, it's Jesus' way in his first sign, and this is the first one. There are going to be six or seven more. This is his way of saying, 
the way it's gonna be for us, the world, the life that I've prepared for you, is gonna be way better than what you would have served at your party. In fact, a wedding party is commonly used in the Bible and marriage commonly used in the Bible as a way of describing how we relate to God. And the end of things, when it's all put back together again, is like a big party at a wedding reception. And if we can blow up a regular one in Galilee, like this, what's he going to do for us forever? And we're being asked to trust that that's what God is up to, that that's what God wants to do for us. In verse 11, this is the first of his signs which he did, and it manifests his glory. His glory means his influence, his power, his weight, in the sense of, in, of being able to make things happen. And it, it says here, his disciples believed. You better believe they believed. He's motivated by compassion. He's been invited to a party. He's hanging out with the fellas. He stays all night. He's dancing on the dance floor. He's having a good time. He's loving people. He's just there. And so there's that, but there's the almighty God of the universe who by his very nature is something else altogether. And in Jesus, all of heaven and earth are put together and we're being invited to trust him. You and I are being invited to allow our lives to surrender into his life because that's what his mother said. Just do what he tells you. And that translates into you and me saying, okay, I'm just going to surrender to you and I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do and I'm going to trust that life will be good. And it, it apparently hanging out with Jesus turns into a magnificent celebration. Question for you. Where do you see Jesus' transforming power at work in your life right now? I would invite you to think about maybe your failures or your disappointments or your inadequacies and notice what he does with them. What Jesus wants to do is turn us into brand new people. And I want you to do this. I want you to do this with this story. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. You could even get your phone out right now and pull it up and then leave it there. This is what I want you to do. I want you to pray through it. It's an assignment. I'll do it also. I want you to pray through this. And I want you to say, how can I release and surrender into the hands of the goat, the greatest of the greats? How can I be honest about the things that I've done that I wish I hadn't have done? How can I be honest about disappointments? How can I pray my way into that and watch him turn water into the best wine of the night? That's what Jesus wants to do for you. Allow me to pray for all of us. Gracious God, we want to be your sons and daughters. And we need transformation in our life. Our city does. Our family does. And we sense compassion. We sense that you are ready to enjoy us. We sense also the profound truth of the fact that you are the God of the universe. And yet here you are showing up in our lives as a human being wanting to be our friend wanting to hang out with us. And we can bring our friends, and you're going to welcome them as well. 
Gracious God, we thank you that this wedding story here and weddings in general, it's, they give us a picture, a foretaste of the great wedding feast that's going to take place when we live forever with you. When you put all of reality, heaven and earth, back together again and the God dimension is a part of the earth dimension. That's what you're doing. You're doing all of this. His mother believed. His disciples believed. We want to also believe. Thank you, gracious God, that you make us into brand new people because we trust ourselves into your hands and that we know who you are and what you're like in the person of Jesus. Amen. I don't remember what we said we were going to do now, but I think what we're going to do is stand up and have an outro. Yes, stand with us. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy. Come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness. Find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. The power of hell, the power of hell forever defeated. Now it is well. I'm walking in freedom for God so loved, God so loved the world. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. Praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him.